Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everybody, I'm Dr. Rob Zammett and welcome back to a brand new episode of your favourite podcast on all things dogs, The Doggy Pod. Is it your favourite podcast? Oh, 100%. I love making it with you. It's a lot of fun. I'm Stephen Peters, Dr. Rob's producer and yeah, we do enjoy putting the weekly episode together and we have another great episode coming at you right now. Yeah, but it's going to be a bit controversial with that subject that you've picked this week, Stephen. We've talked about it and we're going to talk about dog modifications like tail docking and ear cropping. Why do people do it? Is it dangerous? Is it even legal? Yeah, because when we think of a Doberman pincer and the mm. like, we think of those ears and that cropped tail. Uh, and mm. yeah, it's actually illegal. But uh, anyway, that, that will be an interesting conversation. Also, we're going to cover uh, sleep disorders in your dog. Rob, Rob. Oh, in your dog. So you say it. Narcolepsy gets me every time. But of course, this week, we're also going to have our... Dose of fact or fiction, and I, and I'll give you a hint. Ooh, it's, it's a classic. A a classic. It is yeah. a classic, and and it's to do with the age of your dog. Hmm. Anyway, we'll get to that in due course. Now, I understand uh, I, I normally ask you how you went at the clinic this yep. week, but I think you've been out to dinner. I have with some vets. Well, yeah, we got together a few of us and. Uh, a bunch we, of vets together. We did, and we greeted a, a good friend of mine. Well, he is now. I haven't met him much before, to be honest. <laughs> and now I, I briefly friend. bumped into him, but we had a really good night last night, and he even offered me a job. A chap called Scott Miller, Dr. Scott Miller. You might have heard of him. He has a program on television uh, called Vet on the Hill. A lot of people love that program, and I do too. Vet he on does, the Hill, yeah, I've seen that. It's he good. does a great job of... Uh, promoting the, the vet profession to the general public and showing what we can do and, and showing our emotions as well of what we feel. But funnily enough, Stephen, he has practices in, in the UK. He's an Australian graduate, graduated from Queensland and uh, 
came down here, did a stint here in Sydney as well for a while. Before How did he, he end up in the UK? He decided to travel. And uh, while he was traveling, he met the love of his life, uh, his beautiful wife in England. She's English. Don't apologize. But anyway, she's English. And now they live there with their four I'm children. sorry, any English listeners. Uh, <laughs> Rob didn't mean that. I've been watching too much of it. My big fat Greek wedding, that's it too. Yes, don't apologize. It's all right. So anyway, he has a lovely family over there. And uh, of course, he's well and truly entrenched in the veterinary uh, profession there. And funnily enough, like he's on the other side of the world and he has the same problem that we have. You can't get veterinarians to work. There's just n- none available. What, you mean they're lazy or <laughs> there's, just, there's just not enough of no, them around? They have left the building. They've left the profession. There's, really? Yeah. There's a shortage of a worldwide shortage of vets. Yeah, the average working life of a vet at, at this stage of life it's, is five years. Five years and what? they leave the profession. The stress, the lack of, of money. I mean, it's hard to buy a house on sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. Um, I thought you earned that a month. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> that would be great. But, you know, the average wage of vet when they come out, that's about it. In, in Australia, after uh, quite a few years of practice, you can entertain the princely sum of about 80000 which sounds like a lot, but when you're trying to run the family and oh, you're working else, crazy, crazy long hours. Unbelievable well. hours. You know, we're not, uh, we don't keep bankers' hours, 10 till 3. No, we start off, you know, sometimes 8 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, it varies. And with our practice, we have the added burden that we're a little bit far away from any of the uh, centres that have these emergency places. So we provide a 24-hour emergency service for our clients. And that makes it very difficult trying to vet, find vets that want to work after hours as well as work, yeah. work during the day. Not too many like doing both. And it's very difficult to find veterinarians. But as I said, it wasn't just me. Scott Miller, Dr. Scott Miller, said he has the same problem in England. And... Part and it's stressful too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a very stressful thing. And part of it is the veterinary profession um, has is now evolving and realising the veterinary schools, certainly in, in England, they have realised there's a need to not just check the academic uh, credibility of, of a potential student to make sure he's got oh, you know, a great um, academic record. They also have to have the right personality because the other side of the coin, the worst part is one out of nine vets will possibly commit suicide. Yeah, that's that's very, very sad. Those stats are amongst the highest in the world, I believe. They want to find out now, you know, they want potential students that can, A, um, sure, do the book work, but more importantly, have the right personality when they graduate to deal with the stresses that that veterinarians have to undergo uh, to become successful and stay with the profession as a career not just as a, a job for five years, then let's find something that's less stressful and more rewarding and uh, well, short Well, how many hours. years does it take to become a vet? Six years at least now, yes, yeah, sometimes longer. For some people, they'll take uh, quite a bit longer in, in some cases because they'll do a full degree before they're allowed in. So it you know, can take six to nine years quite easily before you eventually become a veterinarian. So there you go. Make sure you're, you're nice to your vet. <laughs> We've said that before, but there's... Good reason behind it, folks. Uh, and yeah, that's the other side of the coin. Yeah, we're trying to keep prices reasonable so people do look after their dogs. And if there's not enough vets and people become demanding, we have a lot of people that just turn up to the clinic without an appointment. And, of course, we'd say, look, 
yeah, we'll see you, but you're going to have to wait. And they get some of them get very upset that they have to wait. But mm. hey, there's not enough of us to go around, folks. Okay, now we're going into a you know, probably potentially a little bit of a uh, controversial area now because we're going to talk about tail docking and uh, ear cropping mm. and things like that. You know, when you see a Doberman pincer, there's a particular look that you think that's what a Doberman is, and it's the same with a lot of other dogs. Um, I mean, even the Queen's Corgis, original Corgis, I think, yep. were tail docked. And Correct. for people who don't know, that means they chop the tails off at a very young age. Yeah, between, um, usually between two to five days of age, they do the tail docking. Ear cropping is much later because the ear hasn't developed enough. The actual pinna of the ear, the actual ear leather, if you like, is not big enough to dock until much later on. And that was, that's been part of the problem, that um, who does these things? Uh, it should be a veterinarian doing your tail docking and doing your ear cropping if it's going to be done. And because a lot of breeders said, no, no, I can do a better job and did their own, it became a real welfare issue as well. So but why was, would you do it? Why would you well, chop its little tail off and crop its poor little In ears? the past, in the you know, many, many decades, years ago, uh, previous centuries actually, they were done for um, two reasons. One, believe it or not, was tax purposes. The uh, country said if your dock, dog was docked, it was a working dog, and therefore you could claim it on tax. Um, so people <laughs> so would do people that. just started with, chopping tails with, off left, with, right, with, and With a lot of breeds, like old English sheepdogs and the like. And with other dogs, it was done for like a function. For example, the corgis, there are two types of corgis. There's the long-tail corgi, the cardigan corgi, which is not so much a yard dog where he goes out in the field. What's it called? A, a cardigan corgi? Cardigan corgi. The Pembroke corgi, that's the Queen's corgi. The Welsh um, Pembroke Corgi uh, is a yard dog, believe it or not, for cattle. Now, people think, oh, come on, they wouldn't be any good in yards with cattle. Cattle are so big and large, but that's the whole thing. When the cow kicks, and if you're short, duck underneath real fast, and uh, you don't get kicked. So that's that's why they're pretty smart there. But if their tail was in the mud all the time, it became a hamper to them. They, they couldn't really move very fast with a big, wet, uh, muddy tail. And so that's why they started doing theirs. But interesting in corgis, many years ago, a very good friend of mine, a lady called Barbara Luthuisi, saw that tail docking was going to be banned. Uh, she thought for sure it will be. So she she was breeding cardigan, uh, sorry, Pembroke corgis. So she looked for corgis that were naturally born with a short tail, and she did that. And she developed a line of corgis that have a naturally bobbed gene, you know, and they, yeah. they they're born as short tail dogs. And we have we have uh, our own dogs in our country that we in Australia where they're born like that the stumpy tail cattle dog, yeah, how appropriate. <laughs> That's an unfortunate name well, for that poor little dog. Well, he's born with stumpy a stumpy tail. tail. They are real tough dogs. They are beautiful dogs and well, very probably, tough. Probably you know born with a chip on their shoulder. Because <laughs> they've got not no a tail. tail. Yeah, not, it's a, not tail. a tail, but a chip no, on their they, shoulder. They, they're really good working dogs. Uh, very underrated, but but lovely, lovely dogs. So the stumpy-tailed cattle dog is a dog that um, is naturally born without tail. There's lots of other dogs too. Yeah, the bulldogs, most of those don't have tails. They're born without tails. And the gene, of course, has been around for a long time. There are two types of genes, the ones with the 
the bulldog type genes, and the other ones like the corgi and the Australian shepherd, an American breed called the Australian shepherd. A lot of those are born with dock tails or short tails. The gene is interesting, Stephen, because it's a lethal gene. If both mother and father give a a dock gene to the puppy, it actually dies in utero. You never know it's even there. It's a zygote. It doesn't even form as an, much wow. of an embryo. It, embryo. it goes. It's done. And it's fine. It's uh, No one gets hurt. Uh, if <laughs> one gene is docked and the other one's not, or you know, short tail and the other one's not, then the puppy is born naturally with a short gene, with a short tail. And in my study of these, because we had a look at a lot of them with Barbara when she was developing and she was worried, she wanted to make sure that they were going to be healthy, we looked at the spines and they didn't have any problems of spina bifida or any other spinal issue uh, along hemivertebrae, et cetera. No problems with the spine further up the track. So it's a, it was a good gene from that point of view and still utilized today. But, of course, there's controversy because some countries like America um, and other countries still allow tail docking to occur. And, and ear cropping as and well? And ear cropping. In Europe, not so. Uh, not allowed. In fact, in Europe, some countries have taken the attitude that if you import a dog legally from a country where it's allowed to be done, you still can't show the dog or exhibit that dog in that country if it's got a dock tail. Uh, in Australia, we're not allowed to exhibit and have not been for decades allowed to exhibit dogs with cropped ears. But we do, if they're imported with a a, a, a docked tail, then you still can show them. Uh, in fact, you know, it's not totally out in Australia because I've had had to do a few where dogs are born with deformed, real deformed tails. You know, not just screw tails, but the tail comes back on itself yeah. and there's pain involved as they grow. And, and you have to in those cases, do something about it. Uh, but not not common. Fortunately, it's not rare, but it, it's rare. Sorry, not rare. It, yeah. it's, it's not a common problem to see that they are born with that, but when it is, you've got to do something for the animal's sake. But the majority of them, they, we leave the tails on in, this, in Australia and New Zealand and England and have no problems that way. Yeah, I personally think it looks... Pretty weird when you see a dog with cropped ears that you yeah. know stand up straight and uh, look like two little swords hanging off their yeah. heads. You know, <laughs> I, I get that it makes them look fast and mean, which is probably what you want from a Doberman. Well, you know, it was, see, some some breeders have said that's it. If you, I can't dock the tail, I'm not going to ever have yeah. another yeah. Doberman, for example. Well, I've owned Dobermans, and sure, I've owned them in the times when you everyone docked their tails, but that wouldn't stop me if they've got a tail or not. Now, the Doberman is far more than just a, an absence of a tail. The Doberman is a really intelligent dog that has a lot of loyalty and love. It, it's got a love for you and a love for life. It just loves going out with you and doing all sorts of things. That's a Doberman to me, not with or without a tail. It doesn't matter. Don't care about that part of it. It's that just wants to be with you and enjoys being with you, working with you great dogs and uh, I do not understand people getting all upset about whether they've got the tail or not judges can learn to uh, work out how they're going to assess them the breeders will work out how they've got to carry the tail and there's absolutely no issue for me now with all this business at one stage I thought I was going to make a big difference but it hasn't, it's been fine the dogs are still just as loving so it is completely illegal in this country so somebody turns up at your clinic and says come on Rob 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Just, uh, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you an extra five hundred to to lop the tail off. And, and uh, will you be able to look after me for the rest of my life? Because I'm not going to be able to practice. Mind you, my conscience wouldn't let me do it anyway. Go no, away. I would think so. Yeah. What about a thousand? No, fifteen hundred. No, no, you're not going to buy it. Two you're grand. Not, you're not going to buy it. <laughs> You reckon there's um, there's uh, there's probably it's, somebody it, in the back it, it, in the backyard oh, and there, a sharp pair of scissors people, that would. I see dogs turn up with dock tails and think, oh, that's not. Uh, well, that somebody's done. Someone's done somewhere. Some of them are, are done badly as well. That's I the would problem. Imagine, yeah. And so we have to then step in and and fix the the issue because the dog is suffering. You know, they're often infected or the bones poking through because they've been called what's cut proud. They're cut without leaving soft tissue on it, mm. and that causes real problems for the dog. So. No, I don't like the uh, the backyard people that do that at all. It's not uh, not in my case. I think it's um, I believe it's it's not just illegal. It's immoral to do that for the dog's sake. Okay, my my final offer ten ten grand, hundred thousand dollars, and I still won't do it. A vet with morals. We love it. <laughs> I'm sure all you dog owners out there um, do what I do from time to time. When you're, when you're watching your dog sleep, which is a lovely sight, I must say. But um, a lot of dogs, my dog does anyway, um, she doesn't look like she's having a pleasant sleep. She sometimes <laughs> breathes heavily, sometimes tosses and turns and moves around a lot. And um, so it just got us thinking about sleep disorders. Mm. And uh, I guess the question was, do dogs get have sleep disorders. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep, said William Shakespeare. Oh, my God. So you just pulled that out of the... out of thin air, didn't you? Well, I just I love Shakespeare, believe it or not. People think, yeah, what? No, what? I, still, I still read him. And, yeah, look, sleep disorders do occur in dogs as much as people. They right, can, okay. They, and if when they do occur, they can decrease the cognitive and physical performance of a dog. So just so like how do you people, know? How do you know? How do you know your dog's got sleep disorder? Hmm. Well, some dogs, if they're up all night pacing around, it's possibly anxiety that brings that on. But they've got insomnia. Dogs should be able to sleep quietly at night. Now, it's easy for me to know whether the dog does it or not because I have the dog in my bedroom. But if you don't have your dog in the bedroom, it's probably a good idea just to check now and then that he's quiet out there wherever you keep him so he can have a good sleep. Another thing they can get is narcolepsy, which is the opposite. They just suddenly fall asleep anywhere pretty much. and they Really? Dogs yeah, they can, can get that? They can get narcolepsy, so they've got to go into drugs, which are 
which will help that. And, of course, sleep apnea in dogs, you know, the real snorers. Yes. The dogs that have elongated soft palates and some problems with the nasal apertures that are small and even one of the things that can cause um, sleep apnea in dogs is tonsillitis, severe tonsillitis. Dogs get tonsillitis, yes, they've got tonsils and they, their tonsils can swell up just like ours do. Dogs have tonsils, that's so Absolutely. cute. And they get tonsillitis and that can cause um, breathing issues and, and lead to sleep apnea. So, if you, But if, what can you do for, about sleep apnea though? Oh, well, there's plenty of things you can do because there's also the, a REM behavior disorder in dogs, which is, is similar, I guess, to um, sleepwalking. And they right. virtually get up and run and run into walls or uh, or they'll get up and run and bite someone, <laughs> not realizing that they're doing it. I do so, find that quite amusing uh, in some way, but I can see how it would be a problem. Absolutely. So one of the things we do, um, and you may know of a, a drug called melatonin. You yes. can buy it over the... A counter melatonin is used a lot in um, people that travel to help them with uh, yeah. jet lag and those sort of things. Well, melatonin can help a lot with sleep disorders. You give it to it at night and you balance out their sleep disorders. And don't forget one of our favorites we've often used for anxiety, of course, is valerian. Mm. We've yeah, talked about valerian before. Valerian, yeah, so valerian is very, very good in dogs. And don't be humble with the dose. Use a big dose. I don't, don't need homeopathic doses of valerian. You can use quite a big dose to help them sleep. You know, valerian fort in a small dog, one big tablet, no problem at all. Give them take the whole thing, two or three in a big dog. If it helps them sleep, that's what, what, what you need. And if that, those things don't work, you have to talk to your veterinarian because it's important. Certainly if you've got a dog that's snoring all the time, that is a form of apnea and the vet can do something about that. They can laser a bit of the soft palate away, certainly check the tonsils. Sometimes the tonsils have to be removed. The tonsillectomy, but the dog doesn't mind because he gets ice cream afterwards. How good's that? <laughs> a whole food group called ice cream. We should have one. <laughs> but, um, um, I'm, but I'm guessing sometimes dogs that have restless sleeping habits are just restless sleeping habits, not necessarily disorder. Yeah, if, I mean, if they're restless all the time, you have to sort of wonder why. Then they're anxious, probably. But you dogs, know how sometimes you see dogs sleeping and they're breathing heavily, and oh yeah, they're just having dreams and their REMs are fine. It's not right. a real REM behavior problem. They're just having – they have rapid eye movement the way we do, just like we right, do. And they right. have dreams as well. There's no doubt that because people have put um, you know, probes on their skull when they go to sleep and, mm. and watch the brain waves and, wow, you see some really – Chasing cats. Yeah, exactly stuff. right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, they will do that. They do need a good night's sleep. Um, and dogs – you know, people say, oh, but my dog sleeps all day as well. Yeah, they do that in the wild – they hunt at dawn and dusk, and they conserve energy during the day and at night. What's the point of running around at night uh, when everyone's asleep? And what's the point of running around through the day when there's nothing else to be done? Just enjoy it. And But please remember, a, a nice hunt in the morning so they can go chasing a ball or just running with you or in, on a leash-free area, let them have a good run. And the same at dusk and let them cool off before you feed them. So if you think your dog's having extra restless night's sleep, it might be worth speaking to your vet. Yep, absolutely. All right, it's Rob's favourite segment. It is... 
Fact or Fiction. There you go. Fact or Fiction. There's the official Fact or Fiction music. Anyway, this one, (laughs) this week's Fact or Fiction, I reckon is a no-brainer because, you know, we talk about it. Uh, you know, anybody with a dog talks about it all the time, and that is that you know, uh, how old is your dog? Well, mm. you know, in human years or dog years, and and the the theory is that uh, for every one human year, it is um, seven, seven years. dog years. Yeah, so if your years. dog's ten years old, that means it's roughly seventy years old, and I uh, I believe that to be fact. Hmm. To some extent, I, I I don't disagree with that because when people bring in a you know, ten-year-old dog, and I say to me, "Oh, he's just not quite the same. He's not running around as much." And I so, say, do you say, "Well, he's seventy. Well, exactly. I try and bring him back to the fact that this is older than you think. But you know what? People have pondered this for a long time. How old is a dog's life compared to ours? Hmm. And if would you believe, way back in twelve sixty-eight. Westminster Abbey, a little church in England you might have heard of, <laughs> Westminster Abbey, inscribed in the, what's called a cosmetic pavement there, they, they wrote, if the reader wisely considers all that is laid down, a hedge lives for three years, add dogs and horses and men, stags and ravens and eagles, enormous whales, the world each one following, triple the years of the one before. Now, if you think that's all confusing, it yeah, was to me. But if you confusing. work out the maths, it meant that if if a man was eighty, then the dog roughly would be about nine years of age. So it was you know, nine to ten years of age on that particular mathematical well, equation that they did. Well, that's pretty close then. To yeah, they, they weren't too far off. But um, the American Veterinary Medical Association have gone a bit further. They've actually looked at it, and there's a couple of things to consider. Roughly, as far as ages are concerned, the fir- after the first year of life. The dog is considered to be about 14, 15 years of age. The second year of life, you add on another nine years, so he gets to about 23, 24 years of age after two years. After that, they add five years for each human year after that. But there's a a little bit of a a problem with all that, and that's to do with giant breeds versus small breeds. There there are three sizes. There's a a small category of dog, the medium size, the large breed, and then the giant breed. And there's no doubt that the giant breed does not live as long. And if you wish, mm, you can actually Google age charts for dogs. There oh, are really? charts, and, and you can find out whether if your dog's in the small category, how old it, the equivalent year is. Um, but it's very close to one in seven, and that's why it's easy to use. It's a rule of thumb that everyone can, you know, we can generally multiply by seven. If you studied at school, boys and girls, um, so seven is seven is actually a good average. Thing. It's an average. It's it's not quite right. I agree, and it varies. Like with the giant breed, absolutely, you know, it it's, goes um, not that many. It's not one in, in seven. They don't make it that long. You know, the average giant breed will live between eight and ten years of age. Uh, small breeds, well, gosh, I've got a chihuahua on my books that's twenty years old. Yeah, you know, right. a little guy now. If I did 70, he's 140, so he's not quite that, but he's, he gets around, he eats, and still barks when people come. He's a lively little guy. So, so I'm going I'm to call that as, as sort of fact. Yeah, near enough. It's good near enough. enough. Hey, wouldn't it be good if our dogs lived as long as we lived? It's their only fault. So, it is their only <laughs> so fault. So you could get a dog then. when you were really young, and it yep. would still be around when you were... 
retiring and um, yeah the only problem then of course you start worried if something happens to me what happens to my dog yeah. start, and that happens with birds people put birds in their will because birds do live till 80 90 years of age some really? birds yeah some cockatoos so people actually put them in their will would you believe so that what? They, oh, their, co- their cockatoo gets given oh, okay. to <laughs> their favorite nephew I th- thought you Dr. meant put Rob. them in their will as in the cockatoo if I goes the if I go the cockatoo goes unfortunately some people do do that oh, okay no, 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 let's no, not talk about no, that no let's not do that all right it's that super sad time when we have to say goodbye for this week anyway. Uh, but as you all know, we'll be back next Friday for another gas bag about all things canine. Yeah. Factual, furry and fun. That's what we like to say. Um, but please follow us, as always, on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, uh, drop us a line on Facebook if you like or thedoggypod at gmail.com. Uh, always love to hear from you. And, you know, tell a friend and leave a review. That would be really good on your, on your podcast platform of choice. Um, and Rob's going to say goodbye as only mm. he knows how to. Yes, goodbye, everybody. And for all those parents out there, I'm sure you have the same wish that I did, that your children would sometimes act at least like the, your dogs. Because in my case, my dogs listen to me and they do what <laughs> I tell them to do. See you guys. It's turned into a sort of a personal gripe, that one, hasn't it? <laughs>